Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is what renting furniture with Feather looks like. Pieces that fit your style and your space and cost less than your monthly phone bill. Oh, and did we mention delivery and assembly included? Feather. Start renting at livefeather.com. Hello everybody, welcome to this week's Wolves Fancast, David Evans here. Oh, what a week it's been, gentlemen. What a week. And to join me on that week, Stu's here. Oh, it's been a week. It's been a week, Matt's here. Hello. And special guest this week, Johnny Phillips is here. Hello. Off the telly. How are you? Off Sky Sportsland. <laughs> <laughs> and in real life as well. Yeah, in person as well. Second appearance, she did our media series That's right. last season. On home turf, that on was. Ho- yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, you can get that on the archives as well. Um, it's called Episode 5, Documentaries and Features. Um, we're going to talk about those two wins, gents, Besiktas and Man City. And Johnny's here because, not just because obviously you're a fan of the show and you wanted to come on, but you've got That's a true. you've got a book book to plug as well. I have, yeah, yep. shamelessly plugging yeah. it wherever I go. <laughs> so we're going to my wares. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that. We've got the quiz and we've got Twitter corner as per usual. Now, Johnny, as a guest on the show, yeah, have your tea first. Don't no, worry. go on, go for it, go for it, go for it. <laughs> Every guest, we always ask them three questions, yeah. the same three questions, yeah, and we judge those answers. Okay. As if they're good enough or not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so first question, favourite player of all time that isn't Steve Ball? That's a fairly easy one for me because coming from Liverpool, I always have an eye on the Scouse players and okay. uh, there's been some great Liverpoolians playing for Wolves down the years like Connor Cody, now the captain. Yeah. Back in the day, George Berry, John McCall, before my time, Andy Much, Bully's partner. Yeah. But number one has to be Paul Cook. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think he was the most gifted Gross. player we've had in terms of finding a pass. He was just sublime to watch. Bit sometimes a bit um looked a bit lethargic at times, a bit sort of lackadaisical and maybe wound the fans up with that, but um I just thought he was fantastic. So cookie for me. Yeah, that's good. I, I, I yeah. You have an Great answer. Yeah. Is that before your time, Dave? Slightly. I think slightly, actually. <laughs> what year was Cook? Yeah, Cook, Cookie he was sh- sort of 90 to 93, 89 Yeah, to 93. I was too little at that point. Yeah, I'm giving my age away a bit yeah. there then, aren't I? Um, sources. So tomato, mayo, fridge or cupboard? Where did they go in the Phillips household? That's a good one. Uh, 
my wife sticks them in the fridge and I don't like that. Yes, that's the, that's the correct answer. Isn't it? Uh, so no. I sometimes try and rustle them back into a cupboard, <laughs> but I, it, she's just too organised. And, and the only thing that's managed to stay in a cupboard is marmite. The rest has all found its way into the fridge. And marmite's not really a sauce, is it? No. Um, yeah, they they all go in the cupboard. Are you looking for a preferred sauce as well? No, he's one, he's one of the weird ones. He's what the fridge. Oh, yeah. I I accept tomato in the cupboard. I'll allow that, but no, nah, it's got to be the fridge. I just find it a bit too cool. <laughs> you like it at a certain temperature. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although chocolate in the fridge, brilliant. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Although only in summer months for me. Chocolate only in summer months? Yeah. You, you, but you, then you, when the winter comes by, you're a bit, you're sort of disconcerted by how soft <laughs> it feels. So I think all year round, you've got to keep it in the but fridge. It, that's sky money with the permanent central heating on. That's <laughs> <a bit. laughs> yeah, right. Crisps in the fridge, you've got to try that as oh. well. No, gonna try that. In the fridge. Try it, yes. Yeah. Just try it. That play, play habit with the monster munch. It's, <laughs> a, it's opening a packet of crisps and not finishing them. That's the. When does this ever happen? Who does that? Who, if you've got uh, crisps in the fridge, right? You put in, you put in a, a closed bag of crisps in the fridge. I'm, I'm talking about singular packets, not a whole like share bag. You know what I mean? You know, like a Doritos, not a Doritos. I mean, like a singular packets. Yeah, but if you open them, you're gonna eat them all, aren't you? What all singular packets? It, what, a six in one sitting. So you put you put in closed packets of crisps in the fridge. Yeah, you buy like oh, we're going too much onto this. <laughs> you buy like a multi pack of crisps and you've got six individual packets yeah. of crisps. But they're not open. You put in. No. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, but why? Why would you have cold crisps? This is. <sighs> you've got to try it. Look, try it first and then come back to me. Too anyway, nice. too much crisp talk. Uh, Favorite film of all time. Final question on that. That's a tough one. I mean, there's. It's tough to call one. If I had to pick one, I'd probably pick Midnight Run with um, mm. Robert De Niro in it. Okay, mm. okay. Um, I like that a lot. I, I, when, I like that a lot in my youth. Uh, I like Robert De Niro. Most yeah. things with Robert De Niro are decent, although he has had some shockers. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's go Midnight Run. You see him on Sunday morning TV the other week. I'm all over that. <laughs> I, I hate Trump just as much as he does, so I'm all over that. I don't think I've seen Midnight Run. Stu's, it's it's if Stu's saying it's a good film, then I'll it's accept it. It's, it's one of them that you probably wouldn't. It's not you say, oh, you have to see. It's but not a classic. No, it's yeah. it's, it's one not of a classic. It's just a nice little under the radar yeah. film that uh, sort of yeah, it's good. It touches the spot when you're at home. You don't have to see it at the cinema or anything like that. It's just a nice little film. It's I like, like it. Like you compare it to The Rock, or something like that. Where you'd ro- you watch The Rock and you think you most people under under thirty would never watch The Rock, mm. but it's a very good film when you watch it. It is a good film. If you're looking yeah. for something with gravitas, I'd probably go One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Okay. If you're looking That's for a, a sort of a big hitter film, but if you, I'd say Midnight Run. What's the shocker then? What's the De Niro shocker? Oh, that, he's had some nonsense, hasn't he? Some rom-coms or... Oh, what's the Meet the Fockers kind Yeah, of all stuff. that sort of... Yeah. Yeah. Seeing the Intern or something like that, I think, not that long ago. He went to a period of not saying no, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it, it, it's, it's slightly sullied his work, but, and, you know, he's, he's, he's a legend. Good. All acceptable answers, gentlemen, I think. I'd the, say the so. other one. Best hair at Wolves. Yeah, it's like a bonus question. Best hair at Wolves of all time. Who's ever had the best hair? The best hair car? Yeah. Uh, bully? Classic. Mm, is it? I don't know. I yeah. mean, I think there's a direct correlation between the shorter the hair, the better the player. <laughs> because the okay. ones with the long hair, I mean, without naming names, players like Paul Stancliffe were never the best for us. And... Uh, that's probably before your time. Yeah, as well. it is. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I just think there's a lot of long haired rubbish John down DeWolf. the years at Wolves. The Wolves, the exception that proves the rule. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if I yeah. translated to Solbacken and management, I'm just, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. League, I'm, I'm just not 
I'm just not sure we've had a great selection of long-haired stars. I don't know, Siggy had his, his moments, <laughs> didn't he? Who's that? Siggy. Beyonce could ask him. Oh, again? Yeah, I just couldn't stand him. <laughs> He was a terrible player. Oh, Johnny's off my books right now. Are you a Sigurd Arsene fan? Oh, loved him. You kidding me? <laughs> loved him. Oh, he was like a competition winner that had been put on the pitch. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, right, get off. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Right, uh, just before we get on to the, the meat of the show, a couple of things. We're going for the FSF Awards uh, this year. So if you're listening to the show and you like what we do, which you must do if you got to this point you're listening, uh, so <laughs> vote for us at uh, the Club Podcast of the Year category. All you have to do is go to fsf.org.uk or search for FSF Awards 2019 and there'll be a... a voting form there but it's a club podcast of the year category there's one called podcast of the year but that's just for general any football podcast it's a club podcast of the year one vote for us if you want to and that'll be really nice cheers for that um, and finally Andy mentioned it on the show last week Roy is doing the Birmingham Half Marathon this week now he's raising money for a young lad called Tommy Brown who's five months old well who at five months old sorry was diagnosed with meningitis septicemia and was given a 5% chance of surviving uh, Tommy is a quadruple ample amputee and has beaten all the odds, however, he still needs ongoing support for things such as physio. Um, Tommy is a West Brom fan, and so much so that Roy is going to be doing the half marathon in a full West Brom kit. Wow. So well done to Roy. He's already raised £700, so I'm hoping, let's see if we can get him over to that magic 1000. So if you can spare a few pennies, uh, just go to Roy's Twitter, which is just at RoyHoops83, RYHoops83, and there's a Just Giving page there to details to donate. And I want to see those pictures. Absolutely. Right in that vertical. Looking as happy as I'm sure he's going to be. <laughs> there was a picture in the WhatsApp group today of him picking up the kit and he just was not happy. <laughs> the disdain in his face. It's like the, the last week of Wolves has just never happened for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, gentlemen, we're going to turn our attention to what a week in the history of Wolverhampton Wanderers. And we're going to go to Europe firstly uh, and a 1 0 win away in Turkey against Besiktas. It was the first time Besiktas have lost at home to English side since 2002 when it was renamed the Europa League I mean the end point of this is the volley goal I want to talk about how does a central defender have so much control like that <laughs> under pressure it was just a, an amazing touch <coughs> uh, and then like a really clinical stone cold finish to it you know when it, after we had the, the disallowed goal as well uh, for what was offside I believe it was uh, I just thought when he received the ball, I thought, oh, it's going to be skied. It's going to be skied. And it was as cool, you know, as cool as a cucumber to slot it in. It was just just scenes, absolute scenes. And everyone was, for once, thinking, oh, we, I wish we had VAR for that one. <laughs> I thought, I, when I rewatched, I thought it was offside. I didn't think Until, anything of it. Until right at the, at the post-match when they showed yeah. the proper, oh, look, it was onside. But I didn't. We won. I didn't really care. No, that's what I. I thought exactly the same thing. It was only until the, the, the freeze framed at that exact point where you seen that he was a, a foot on side. Um, but again, no one seemed that bothered. No one seemed there was no mass protests. So you thought, well, just let it go. But yeah, I thought apart from the goal, I thought Bolly was absolutely superb. Mm. To be fair, well, what we said last week, Bolly playing on the right hand side, being a kind of a make weight for everyone else. He yeah. really wasn't a make weight at all. He was man of the match by a long, long way. But it was that. That Neves freak, that Neves kick as well, Johnny. His first contribution of the season. I'm going to have to come clean. I was, uh, it, it, I was nowhere near the Besiktas match. I was on a golf How course. Dare I was on a golf course in How Scotland when we uh, when it kicked off. But you've seen. And the I goal. was in the clubhouse <laughs> when it finished, and there was supposed to be no phones, and there were all these sort of stuffy golf types in suited and booted, and this Partick Thistle fan 
showed me his phone with the score on it and that was the only way I found out that we'd won the game so I'm going to have to dip out the Besiktas <laughs> I have seen the goal I have seen the goal it was a sublime goal but you could talk about the goal the Neves Neves, Neves was phenomenal with that pass he's been he's been close to picking them out yeah. uh, for a while and I ne- I'm one of these who never writes Neves off I know he's had a real quiet spell he's had a quiet time in the Premier League so far as as a rule I'd never ever write him off I'd never really substitute him to be honest I like him on the pitch all the way through because I think he, he can pick a pass and, and you know he's done it on more than one occasion even when he's having a quiet game I'm pre- you know I'm quite prepared for him to stay on the pitch mm. uh, and it was an unbelievable pass uh, and and but you know um, beaten only by the control and the finish you, you know incredible now Stu you've never not really been a Neves fan since the start of the season have since you? the start of the Premier League Altogether, like Johnny said, I just thought he's been massively disappointing. Apart from he had three good games last season, maybe, but fair play, you got to hold your hands up. That pass was Neves in the Championship, or back to his best. Mm. And when he does things like that, it's even more frustrating when you think you've got that in your locker. Why well, you're not doing it more? And you, you're putting it out for you're trying cross field passes that come nowhere near anyone. And yeah, everyone else has got the movement and everyone for his balls, but. It's just been really very disappointing for me, and I, I didn't see it coming. When it, when it dropped to him, I thought, he's going to blast this over. <laughs> and then to put that ball in it, it was, as I said in the uh, in the picture later on, I did a knee slide across my laminate flooring on my own. <laughs> <laughs> he heard your criticism, I thought, right, that's it, I'm going to get him, I'm going to show him. I mean, for me, for me with Neves, I mean, now if you take this clip out of context, it's going to sound ridiculous when I say this. However, go. however, so, you know, bear with me here. But... Neves will do something amazing that will keep him in the fans and uh, the fans' good books for a game or two or three at a time. He'll do something out of this world, an amazing goal, an amazing free kick, an amazing pass. And it just reminds me of how I used to feel about Dave Edwards. I know, like, <laughs> okay. don't take this out of context. <laughs> but, like, Dave Edwards would, 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 would have a few games where, you know, he wouldn't contribute as much as you'd hope. And then he'd do just something outrageous. And he'd provide a great assist or he'd get a goal, like, at Leeds, you know, the Leeds game, for example. And then Neves, for me, is just not consistent enough. Like, when he does do something amazing, it's out of this world, but it's just not consistent enough for me. I mean, I see the point in that mm. to a degree, um, but I do think I do think we've got to re- realise what our place in the world. I mean, it's Wolves, isn't it? I mm-hmm. think we're not Manchester City where we can take Dave, David Silva out of the team and, and, and stick, I don't know, De Bruyne, Bernardo yeah. Silva, all the rest of it. We are Wolves, and I think Neves, a player of his quality, We've got to we've got to indulge. Mm. I mean, Neves is a poor man's David was so, isn't he? That's what we're also saying. <laughs> I mean, that's the point I was trying to make. Yeah. <laughs> well, on current form, he's a poor man's Jack Price. <sighs> is it? Was he just got the MVP at Colorado as well this season? I just saw that on Twitter today. He's he should be having the whole league. Forget Zatan and friends. He's been he's had an unreal time in the MLS <laughs> this season, hasn't he? And you think you look at you, you look at the quality? Oh yeah. we... He was when we when we met him was it three four years ago now when we met him and he was I couldn't believe how down to earth he was he was just he loved it and there was we had a time and he he would have gladly stayed there for three hours talking about rubbish with us yeah no he's he's fantastic top lad and and the best thing about him he's one of the first to be binned by Nuno and he wishes the club nothing but success yeah he's incredible fella Uh, first away win in Europe gents it's great loving it fantastic I mean. You know, that was the game, I think, especially after the recent results prior, prior to Watford, this is, that you thought, oh, this is, the, this is the one away game out of the three that we didn't need now, out of all of the three potential games that we were going to play. Um, and then to win there, it was just a statement of intent, really, of kind of the week that we were having 
And if only we knew about the city result as well. I mean, what that what what would that have been? Yeah, you would have happily chalked off the city game before then and thought. Oh yeah, we? absolutely. I'd have gone for the Besiktas match yeah. first as the one that you need to win. But you know what they did? They only <laughs> went to City and bloody won, didn't they? Well, we said. I think me and Andy said it last week. The, the, the shit test. I said, if we win there, I couldn't care less about Man City. As long as we don't go there and humiliate ourselves, then I've got no real problem with that because Besiktas is more important. But then to turn up at the Etihad and school them <laughs> and head to play football. <laughs> well, on Sunday, Wolves won. I can't believe I'm saying this. Two 0 away at Manchester City. Try away with both goals. Um, would you have? taken a 2-0 defeat before the start of the game <laughs> I would personally yeah. I just think I was, um, I, I was at Liverpool the day before actually and in the tunnel afterwards Milner and Klopp referred to the fact that they were just shattered and on the knees from about the 60th minute onwards mm. against Leicester because of what had happened and in a home game against Salzburg now a home game for a team of Liverpool's resources yep. against Salzburg Leicester had had the clear run at it yep. you know all week and it does make a difference you'd be surprised the difference is just ridiculous and even a day makes a difference you, you hear managers griping when a match is yeah. moved for television or brought forward a day is huge in, in, in you know at the elite level of the Premier League I thought I had five six down I genuinely thought they could give us a proper proper tonking I couldn't believe it when that result came in was that a mental thing as well losing a three goal lead for them what uh, Liverpool yeah. do you feel? Possibly it was just it's just dead legs um, or heavy legs rather at that t- at that uh, that stage. I mean they've done all their pre-season running and they've done everything, so they're not doing a vast amount of actual training at the moment. But it's just recovery times mm. and a lack of and then a lack of work with the team. Uh, you, you know you miss there's no training sessions, there's no uh, sessions because it's, you go straight into a recovery the following day and and time time is against you and it gets to. You know the kickoff time the next day, and you just in the in the case of Liverpool, they're probably four days behind against Man uh, against Leicester. But in the case of Wolves, they're a minimum, I'd say, a day and a bit behind if you're taking the yeah. travel. And then it was squeezed into a Sunday from a Thursday. There was no way Wolves should have come out with anything mm-hmm. in that game. And and then and then the, the team they didn't have the you know the resources that City have got in terms of team selection. Well, there's a really good piece. Post Besiktas from Tim Spears on the athletic. Yeah, I read that. It's a about, smashing piece. Talks really, really about good the piece recovery. Yeah. and you just gobsmacked at yeah. what they do in a short space of time. It is incredible the stuff that goes into it, uh, and it's not as well. I mean, it was, it was a tremendous piece that, and he got some fantastic access. And it's not just the recovery they do; it's the individually tailored recovery. So there are players who sweat more than other players, or sweat a certain amount of salt more. Everything is individually tailored. The you know the detail is phenomenal, and uh, and you know since Antonio Diaz and Jalapa have come in with uh, with the with the coaching team, you you can see the results. We rarely get injuries, and we manage to turn players around very quickly. And you said that in the was it the China documentary where that sweat thing came out of. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, and they all they all have they all have these different levels of nutrition drinks straight after a normal training session it's just it's just incredible detail uh, and, and various amounts of food that they're allowed that different types of food to suit different players recovery uh, you know th- there's nothing is no stone is unturned it's, it's fantastic and I guess you know uh, as Tim alluded to y- y- the proof was then in the pudding the following day uh, well the following two days when, uh, when the match happened uh, it was the first time that Man City have lost at home um, to nil without scoring um, in Pep's reign which is incredible that is incredible really uh, Nuno now, Nuno's now got a t- 75% win rate against Pep so including the Asia <laughs> I don't yeah, know who includes that I think it is an all competition it's just insane though to be fair that as, as a statistic in itself 
Um, I don't think you could um, even fathom that that was possible, you know, with a manager of his calibre um, in Pep. I mean, before the game, me, like many fans, were just hoping not to, you know, to be turned over. Mm. And it wouldn't have undone the good things from the week previously, but it would have then set us up then for the following fixtures. I know we'd have an international yeah. break, but it just puts that little dampener on then. I think we uh, were building a bit of momentum exactly. just before then, so you wouldn't want to squash it straight away. Exactly. And, um, you know, going into the international break, which I think everybody was just hoping that we got to, you know, without an embarrassing result at uh, City. I mean... The game itself was 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 a completely different story. But going into it, you know, as Johnny alluded to, I don't think we had a right before the game to get any kind of result from it. But you know, the latter, you know, it completely a completely different result to what happened. He went out with a really strong team. You've got Vinagra and Troy on the wing backs, and I'm going to talk about Troy though. <laughs> Two goals from a man who hadn't scored since West Ham last September. I same think. goal as well. Yeah, <laughs> all three times. Both carbon copy goals. It was just classic. It was the counter-attack classic that we've seen from Wolves previously actually come to fruition this time. It was... I think Troyore, I think it's been on reports all over the place how he was. He somehow managed to get man of the match for a defender and a striker in the same game. <laughs> and he just... Sterling was nowhere. And I think the actual level of fitness from everyone and the level of concentration, what we were saying about the Liverpool thing, the concentration with every single person on the pitch. I mean, even Benny, Benny coming in off the cold, from the cold, after two two games out to replace Sace, immense. It was just unbelievable that we we standing there, we're looking around, and thinking, mm, bring it on, then let's let's just get it over and done with. And then from kickoff, you think, hang on a minute, this is different here. There's something about they, they've got a purpose here, and it was just it was it was wonderful. It was, it was lost for words. I mean, me, me being lost for words. It was. You think you look at him and you look at the shape and. They were stumped. They had no ideas. And you think, yeah, we got we playing. Oh, yeah, it's two men behind the ball, but it wasn't, wasn't though. I mean, I think Shearer broke it down on match of the day too later on, where everyone was when Bolly pushed forward, Martino dropped back into his place, and it was just a brilliant, brilliant team performance from everyone. It was also on match of the day too, actually, that the narrative from Shearer was more. Wolves are fantastic here. Mm. Then, oh, it's Man City. They've slipped up. What's gone with Man City? What have they done wrong? It was more. No, Wolves have actually played this perfectly. And they deserve to win the From game. a non-journalist? Yeah. <laughs> I think generally Wolves have had a good uh, reception from pundits uh, around the country. They've been, since they got into the Premier League, the, the, the style of football they've played has been really uh, has been really welcomed by a lot of people. And, you know, they, they, they were doing something a bit different when they came into the Premier League. And, uh, and, and you know, Sunday was perhaps the, the sort of the, the pick of the game so mm. far in terms of the way they set themselves up. I mean, I think Nuno has form on this slightly. I think there was a game when he was Valencia manager, um, when he went to Real Madrid, or maybe Real Madrid came to Valencia. I can't remember which. And Valencia, uh, sorry, Madrid under Ancelotti. I think they had mm. they had a, you know a, a vast array of attacking options, and and he he went with he pushed his wing backs on incredibly. I mean, they weren't as attacking as Triori actually, but he really, really, really pushed them on and, and surprised Madrid who were on the back of this, I think this ludicrous winning run or ludicrous unbeaten run and he got a result against them. Um, so I do think he has form of taking, taking a game to a really top, top uh, level opposition. I mean, it's fraught with danger, I guess, if you don't get off on the front foot. But once, once you do pin a, a team back, then I think sort of the impetus 
changes slightly and all yeah. of a sudden if if City didn't know what to do I mean you, you were there it must have been just incredible to it was constancing again I mean like the, mm. on that, there was a couple of lads on the other team who had been to Turkey and they hadn't, they'd barely slept and then there was Roy back at it again Sunday morning there was in there was on it from seven in the morning before he even got on the couch and it was everyone was treating it like a day out in, a, in an event but then it was after kickoff you think hang on a minute and it was it was just constant it was I'm trying to think of it you, you compare that atmosphere to the atmosphere in the in the semi-final at Wembley and how bad that was before even before things all went wrong and with the, the three-tier situation whatever three-tier situation at Man City three pairs of Wolves fans to sing their art out for 90 minutes best part of two hours it was you look at the, the video of me on the Express Star and little plug there yeah little plug well done Nathan for sorting that out um I couldn't get my words out quick enough. It was just adrenaline, adrenaline. And like I said earlier, I went to bed at half eight. I was that tired. <laughs> Matt, was that the game that Troy Ray's finally announced himself? Do you think? Because there's been a lot of talk about, oh, yeah, he's got the speed, he's got the muscle, but he hasn't got the end product. And is yeah. he a wing back? Is he a striker? What is he? But he I he's mean, just scored two goals against the champions. At he, home. he has. And I mean, you'd be, you'd be remiss to say that there were. They, were, they weren't easy chances by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, they were coolly taken. Um, and he was announced onto the scene, you know, in form coming on FIFA, as, as that's my, like, bag. You know, you know, he's definitely, you know, looking at, you know, everybody knows about Troy, but they will be listening and they'll be paying attention to him after this game. I mean, I don't think, and the point I wanted to make, I, I don't think he'd be taken away how important Jimenez was in the build-up yeah. to, um, yeah. especially the first goal. Yeah. You know, to take the man from, you know, to get the ball from, you know, Deep in the very very half, deep yeah. from the you know in the halfway line to take it with him, and you know Jimenez is under pressure at the minute to get a goal. You know mm. he, you you would have forgiven him for trying to take the chance on himself, but he's, he's spotted his man, he's made the pass, he's give Troyore the opportunity to get the goal. You know, and at one nil to to what Johnny said, City have to come at us, and that's playing exactly into our hands. I mean, when I saw the lineup. I thought this is going to be a massacre <laughs> with with like the fallback situation as it was, you know, having Traore on there and I'm happy to eat my words. I thought this is going to be a massacre, mm -hmm. but we got the goal and then they have to come on us and it was more likely, I think, that we were going to score a second than concede, to was be honest. It, was it Otamendi he, he got the ball round on the first one? The, Jimenez? Yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. Otamendi the, putting the, his the arse effectively, didn't he? <laughs> Because you kind of thought when you looked at the, the only weakness of Man City you could have thought of going to that game was the centre back just because of the issue they've got with Laporte being out. Yeah. And if you can target, and that's what he did, just yeah. targeted the middle. Yeah. I uh, was really pleased for Jimenez because, yeah. um, you know, his goal scoring hasn't got up and running particularly this season, but the, the way he made that first goal was just, that was, that was it, the pure brilliance mm. he's got in his locker. He looked fitter than he has done all season as well, somehow. And when I, we were all saying it before, we were saying it the last few weeks where he needs a rest. And now he's got two weeks off. And I said, just we said, I think a few of us last week, we said, give him Man City off. Just just give Catroni mm. a chance. And he had a chance and look what happens. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you about <laughs> Catroni because he has that miss. You can see what he's trying to do. Yeah, uh, we have this theory on the podcast called the Sliding Door Theory where if you don't score that goal, is at the moment that it, it goes away for you. And I know he's had that tapping against Chelsea. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, was a, it was a terrible, terrible yeah. uh, slice, wasn't it? I, I mean... Yeah, it was. It, it didn't look good. He's got a, his, his scoring record's terrible anyway, isn't it? What has he scored? He One was in last 33 season. or something yeah, now? Um, his breakout season, he, he was pretty good. Right. And then it just... I mean, they were in chaos while the last season at Milan anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, last season's not great. And I think I, in the in the WhatsApp group, I kind of jokingly called him Keone. <laughs> and said he's as, he's as... Andy Keogh ran around a lot 
missed a lot of chances, but he didn't get the fanfare that Petroni's got. Yeah. And for every game that goes by, it's looking, well, he needs something soon. Possibly. I mean, was he brought in to be the main man this season, though? I'm not sure he was. I think he was a backup anyway. Yeah, so I think I'd be prepared to give him time, um, perhaps on the same grounds that Triori has earned a bit of time. Um, I think, and he's young, he's got age on his side. Mm. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he has, you know, Cotroni has a shambolic season and doesn't really do anything, but then maybe, maybe it doesn't really matter uh, mm. at this stage. I think he's, I think he's young enough, but um, I wouldn't judge him just completely... But he was it was bad, wasn't it? It was a bad. Move. It was a bad. Yeah. I think he, I think he proves at the minute that still with the fans, that passion still has so much influence on the fans because one tapping aside from Chelsea, he's loved by you know for doing absolutely nothing. Um, but yeah. you know people seem to love him for his like, tenacity and his efforts so far. But that needs to be translated into more for it to be. You know, a successful season for him. I think Thursday night, he, that one where he created that chance for himself, and he put it just wide. I thought that was absolutely superb, and he was un- unlucky there, and he did cause him problems. And he's, he's a handful. The but important thing of that sentence, though, is just wide. Like it's just, yeah. we need. You know what I mean? Like the chance against City, um, where he's where he could have took on his left. You know, elects to take it on his right and just completely slices it. He's just it's it's Catroni all over at the minute, but. You know, then again, it's like him. You know, would it t- just take one goal, just one yeah. in off the shin, in off his chest, just one really lucky goal to start uh, to start momentum and it, you know start getting them in? It's what we talked about last. Was it two seasons ago with Bonatini when he scores that goal against Borough? It's the, you know, it's if he doesn't shoot, if he doesn't score that goal, is he going to get all those goals for the next six months? Probably not, in my view. Well, <laughs> he needed one in December after yeah. losing <laughs> yeah. as well to carry on. Um, there were some other great performances, gents. Um, I don't know who to li- list off really, but I want to talk about Patricio again because incredible saves, and he seems to be a different beast this season. He's been like that since March, and it, it, something clicked around about March somewhere. He, he's the kicking issue, which has never been an issue anyway. That seemed to go away completely. Um, balls weren't going out for throw-ins, and he just seems he seems solid. It like what happened with um, De Gea when he first came to England, and he he looked a bit weak. And he don't look like he's bulked up, and he's got a scar, and he looks all hard now. But he's he looks, I don't, he look he looks stocky, but he's not stocky. If you get what I mean, he's got a presence about him now where he, he didn't at the start of last season. You could have forgiven some shots to go past him last season, but now he just looks a bit unstoppable. Yeah, he's I somewhat, I, there was what I think was it Retro Wolves on on Twitter said he was the best Wolves goalkeeper in modern times. The way he's playing at the minute, you. you with Matt Murray's kicking, which was a problem, <laughs> and he never got to fulfil his potential. You can't argue against it because he's been absolutely brilliant. I think we've got a way to go a bit still to call him the greatest keeper of all time. <laughs> he's now a Stefan Postman, is he? <laughs> <laughs> um, other players at all? Neves, I thought, did well again. Yeah. Yeah. Bennett did well. Bolly did well. Ne- Neves had a big role in the, was it the, I want to say the... There was the second goal, I think. Second, yeah. Uh, he, he can break. He can be deceptive, Neves. He mm. can. He's got uh, the ability to break up play um, when you don't quite notice it or you least suspect it. Um, and I think he, sh- he, sh- he shows. He can show two sides to his game. Leicester last season, when he was instrumental in at least two of them goals for Jota. Yeah, against Leicester at home, and he was he was brilliant that day. And the West way, Ham away when we got our first win, yeah. he, he was phenomenal in that game. I thought models yeah. his game on Dave Edwards, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, City had not conceded a single Premier League goal from a fast break in their previous fifty-nine games. I love these are. random stats. Fast, yeah. fast break. break. I mean, 
I mean, who's 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 coming up with that? Who? What's what was the um, the XG Stu on that game? This is one I hate. One point seven three to one point two four, I think. Okay, it, I, it, I don't get it. It, it, still, it was round about that. I know they were slightly ahead of us. Is that <laughs> XG? Just like, again, <laughs> it doesn't work. We won. <laughs> it does work. It, it shows. It shows a scientific analysis of a game that doesn't really matter because no one cares. <laughs> uh, Johnny, you mentioned it before, but is this perhaps the most one of the most defining results for Nuno in general? Because he's just beaten a top two team in their backyard. He had loads of results last season against top six, but that top two couldn't ever really properly crack. Yeah, and you just think this is probably a landmark moment for him. Yeah, I think it's the best Wolves result um, in Nuno's time I mean it's, it's, it's fascinating isn't it because um, we've had so many unbelievable days just absolutely unbelievable I mean for you know someone who's watched the entire 90s and then the uh, you know when I, that was when I first got my season ticket in the 90s and I'm so so bloody awful you know we had we, we had one two promotion challenges and, and only one of them was really really exciting um and then you go into the 2000s and again we get up for a bit but how many memorable games were there and and then you look at what he's done in this but you know in the championship alone there were that many yeah. memorable games last year it just I, I remember at West Ham just thinking this is just the best day ever and then I was working at the Spurs game at <laughs> Wembley and I thought no this is the best day ever and then it just kept on coming and then kept on coming and now this season I mean there's, there's been so many already um, but yeah I think City just given given the calibre of opposition the resources yeah. available the circumstances of Wolves arriving at, uh, at the Etihad in, in the state they arrived in it had, by by a, by a mile, it has to be the best and most standout result, and definitely a landmark result. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. And was it the first time we've beat the current champions away since the seventies? Something. Oh, like I haven't that? got that stuff. I'm sure it exists. I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure I read something like that. The current champions. I, I want to say we beat Liverpool in eighty three, eighty four. And I'm sure they his, were the champions. And Wolves, Wolves were a shambles that season. We went. We went down by a mile and we won 1 0 in Liverpool's backyard when they won the league, the League Cup, and the European Cup. They did the treble that season. But we lost they, at home to Wolves. Were they current champions? I think they were. I think they won in, 80, I think they won in 83. <laughs> I'm not, not going to do it. Before my dive still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, don't I was know. born in 83. Get, never, mind your, never mind your fast breaks and your expected <laughs> goals. Just get you. Find out who won the league in 83. Let me, in get, my break. Let me get the Google out. Um, look, look that up. Look at who won the. She's sure. going to look it up while we just sum up Man City. <laughs> yeah. But all in all, I mean, Matt, just to finish things off, I mean, what a result. What it's, a day. Just a fantastic result. result. And, you know. We look at it now, though, in, in hindsight, and think to ourselves, "What an amazing result!" And that we had no, um, that we had no right to that result. But then, when you look at the game itself, it was one hundred percent completely deserved. Yeah. You know, we created chance after chance after chance, and then you know, it was, and it's a bit of a cliche for Wolves, but it was a classic counter attack, and you know, for 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 the goals and something that you know we are getting plaudits for now. You know. I'm glad that like some of the cliches of this season around, you know, can they back and Wolves balance Europe and balance the league, are now being silenced, and the questions are starting being asked about, well, can we be the best of the rest, and you know, can we, you know, march up the table again, and you know, on the balance of play, you know, we 100% deserve that result. There's only so many times I can hear Burnley Europa League. I know, Wolves in I know. The same sentence. I know. They said, exactly. it, they said it again on Thursday night. And I'm just, oh. It is it, yeah. it is a tired and lazy cliche for me because if you think of one thing that you know people around the country that aren't Wolves fans 
can sympathise with it would be that because you've got you know Birmingham's and your Swansea's and your Burnley's that have had that I think I think we're on stat attack aren't we what have yeah. we got Liverpool won three years in a row and Johnny was right with the stat yeah so that, well that's Johnny. look at that that stat was wrong straight <laughs> don't believe Twitter well done, Johnny. Thanks well done. Nice. <laughs> it, it, a bit of it's my job, but <laughs> there you go. This doesn't bode well for the quiz for me, by the way. Right, okay, we're going to have a break now. Uh, after the break, we're going to talk about Johnny's book. We've got the quiz, and we've got Twitter Corner after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Now... The reason why Johnny's here, as we mentioned, because he's got a book to plug. And we're going to talk about said book. It's called Bitten by Wolves. Johnny. Bitten by Wolves, Stories from the Soul of Molyneux. Um, well, you gave us a, a copy of the book, so thank yeah. you very much for going through that. And the impression I got when reading it, it, it seems to me, it's like it, you probably saw it a little better, but it's almost like a collection of stories about wolves from different people's point of views throughout the years. Yeah. Is that right? That is right. That's that's pretty much right. I've had it, I've had it for a long time in my head to do something, because ever since I've been come into Wolves um, I've sort of met people and uh, who've got great stories to tell and, and, and you can, you know the list is endless to, but you've got to sort of trim it down one on one level and also uh, you know I, my first uh, my first Wolves game was in the 80s uh, I mentioned earlier that I first got my season ticket in the 90s and there was a lot of dross and a, a lot of hard work down the years but everyone sort of stuck by it and there are a lot of good players and players that didn't quite fulfill themselves and some did and a lot of good people working for the club over that time and it, it always had a real soul to it a real it was for me it's always been a great club even when it's been rubbish it's been a great club uh, and now we're reaching this level that we've never known before I'd say existential change to be brutally honest it, it's changing that much so I thought why not write the book over the course of last season? It's not about last season. I just used that, the template, to go and meet people. Uh, and then I just got hold of people I thought had a story to tell over the last... Uh, I, I finished it last summer um, and and tried to make it a sort of... A, it's like a potted history, but a bit of a social history as well mm. and what makes the club special. Because I, I know we're biased, but it is special. It's it's incredibly unique. No, no club's had the spectrum of failure and success yeah. that we've had uh, clubs have been successful clubs have had failings but they haven't had the the, the, the two polar opposites yeah. in wolves five years had, as well yeah quite yeah and come through it the way wolves have come through it so i just thought it was a nice time to get a book out and do something uh and i hope to have captured a bit about what it means to be to be wolves i want to talk about some of the bits that we found in there obviously we don't give too much away because no, 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 yeah. um, i was looking there was one chapter on, on with sam ricketts talk about the League One campaign and just tell people the story about how Sam Ricketts finds out he's captain. I mean, th- this is great because I heard um, I heard on the old Gold Club the other day, Roger Johnson doing his interview yeah. and how he was um, he was thrust the captaincy and it upset the apple cart a bit. And he, he sort of made out that he was... Um, that you know it was a difficult situation for him, but it was no more difficult than Sam Ricketts, mm. uh, and, and possibly a, a, a bit easier as well because he was coming in as a big signing, uh, and he had the backing of the manager. Sam Ricketts came in as a player who had uh, was tailing off in his career, no big name, no anything like this, and he literally walked out for training, thinking he'd be introduced by Kenny Jacket to the to his teammates, and Jacket got him into a huddle, said, we're about to start training. And by the way, lads, this is the new captain. And he absolutely chucked him under a bus. And uh, poor Sam had to then try and build relationships on the back of that. But Sam being Sam, he's just a phenomenal character. And for me, 
one of, you know has to go down as one of the greatest captains this club has had given the circumstances and given Absolutely. given mm. what he did uh and he got on with it and he led incredibly by example and you know uh he he, he was phenomenal I, but i just thought what a way to chuck him in at, at a club that was absolutely on its yeah. knees anyway in you the first imagine, place. imagine the awkward faces <laughs> in oh, that huddle you just, imagine how he felt at that I time i think the only fella he knew at the club was dave edwards from the wales setup um and it's amazing the way he just got on with it. But he, he's got a very, um, he's incredibly, uh, he's got a great work ethic, Sam. And he's got a great, uh, he's, he's, he's a man of proper moral substance. And again, he's not a great talker and a shouter in a way that maybe characters like Carl Henry were, another great captain, and certainly Paul Butler, you know, a proper a proper talker. But he just, he leads by an example of a way of, I'm not going to say, do this, do that. I'm just going to do what I'm doing and hope you follow. Uh, and, and I found him inspirational. There was a chapter in there about the Vati rain as well. Yeah, Stu, you were just reaming off on the on the group last night, just saying this is a fascinating. Was, cause I've read three quarters of it in two days. <laughs> it's a, it, to be fair, it's an absolutely brilliant book, regardless of you being here or not. It's. I mean, there was stuff in there that I knew, but I'd never read stuff like that in, yeah. in detail. It's. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. Because you know, I, I was part of that. I don't know you guys. Well, I was part of that generation that you know never. I was probably too little uh, for, for that era. Yeah. And you kind of get a sense. You hear what people say about what happened. You think, oh right, okay, but we were all right in the end. When you read it in that chapter, you just think, geez, that's what I really mean, happened. Behind it was. The scenes. It was incredible. It, the, I, the, the, bat, the batties always had this mythical status for me because it was when I first started going to the match, and I sort of I, I was taken along, but there was this huge cloud going on, and then. Luckily, we quickly came through it with with Steve Ball. Uh, but the Batties were they were mythical figures for lots of reasons. First, you couldn't get hold of them; you couldn't find them. No one knew where they were or what they were up to, and th- and they had that sense about them. Uh, and then the way that you know they, they let the club go was incredible. But some of the stuff that went on, um, you know, just 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 little little moments of. Um, there was one moment where I spoke to Dave Harrison, who was the Express and Star reporter at the time, uh, and covered them brilliantly. And, you, you know, I think he said uh, he, he loves Wolves. He's, he's Wolves through and through, a proper black country boy. And he says on one level it was heartbreaking because it was happening to his club. But on another level, it was the most, you know, incredible time of his the career. Goals yeah, really, he just yeah. felt alive. And he said that at one stage the Batties turned up. There were all sorts of cash flow problems going on here, there and everywhere. And they turned up with a sack of cash from somewhere to pay the wages. And Dave reported this for the Express and Star. And the next day, he had the police, Wolverhampton police, on the phone to him saying, don't be saying stories like that. We don't want every hoodlum in the town turning up (laughs) for next time the batties turn up with a carrier bag full of stuff. And it was things like that. It was just anarchic and chaotic. uh, And there was so much going on. And for me... Uh, the Batty regime is every bit as important as when Billy Wright was lifting the league titles and all that. For Wolves to come through that period was great, but I think it defines us as a club. I think your failures define you as much as your success, yeah. yeah. and I think that was a huge part of it. I think you, you look at things that happened to Berry and Bolton in this summer, and when you got people in Arab dressing porter cabins fooling club legends oh I mean yeah it's like some out of dream team yeah it was I mean the way that the, the way they actually the way they got hold of the club in the first place was quite amusing um, you know without going into too much detail about that they definitely they definitely hoodwinked a few people uh, and I tried to get hold of uh, one of the batties I've, I've got to, I got I got a business address for one of the batties and I tried to get hold of him uh, 
to speak to us about the, the book, but I, I got no response. I tried more, on more than one occasion and uh, for obvious reasons, he probably didn't want to tell his story. But I, I just thought I'd, I'd love I'd love to hear the Batty's version of events. Yeah. Um, but he's he's enjoying retirement in Dubai or whatever it is now <laughs> and, and, and lying low. But yeah, again, just wearing traditional Arab dress, having pictures of um, King Faisal on the walls to make it look like they're these oil-rich billionaires. Where it, and they're just not. So <laughs> it was incredible. I mean, can you imagine today with, you know, 24-hour rolling sports news, social media, Twitter, all this nonsense. Can you imagine if the stories got out? They wouldn't be believed. Yeah. And, and this is just the stuff we've been able to dig up. I, I'm sure there was so much more that, you know, I wasn't able to find that's out there about what went on in that era. There's a bit in that chapter where Dave talks about the way he has to report a story. I think it's about when they, if, if they find out whether they've made a deal to sell the club That's and there's right. a covert way <laughs> he has to report on it. If you just tell me what that covert way was. Yeah, I read that and I thought, what? Um, this is like a spy film. So he's so he's essentially needs to know if a takeover's gone through by a deadline set by um, the administrators to find a buyer for the club and any takeover needs to be approved by the Football League. And it gets to a point where it's, I think it's five minutes to five on a, on an August or a July evening uh, in the summer. And he's, he's ringing the Football League to find out, how, has this uh, takeover been approved? And, uh, and he, can't, he can't get through to them, first of all. It's all pre-mobile phones. And eventually he gets hold of the secretary at the Football League, who says, yeah, it's been approved. So he then says, well, who is it? And he says, I'm not at liberty to tell you this. I can't tell you who it is. There's a number of takeover options. Yeah. I think Sir Jack Hayward was briefly on the scene uh, in, in this 1986 takeover. And then he said, all right, well, if it's so-and-so, I, if it's the Batties, just hang up, will you? I says, and then that way you've not told me anything. You've not done anything. And uh, the line just goes dead. And that's how he knew who it was. But um, there's lots of ways that the journalists in those days had of finding out information. Um, it wasn't if you found a way to get a question answered where the person hasn't physically answered the question, yeah. you've done well. It was an old trick back then. Well, for me, <laughs> what I've what I really got from the book, and I know it looks like I've had a, a rough paper round, but I am only thirty. <laughs> so, some, so some of the things that have happened in Wolves history, yeah. I haven't you know been alive for. So I've not got as much of an insight as you know some of our more senior fans. Yeah. So to read about some of the things that were going on in Wolves in the chapters that I've read, you know, it was a really great insight into. Like like the the Batty's chapter, I know we've you know we've talked um, a lot about, but to read about the chaos that was going on at that time is something like you hear stories, but you don't know just how bad it was. Yeah. Um, and I think that chapter especially really got it across for me, like the chaos and how close to a you know to a Bolton or Berry we could have been. Um, and so it was a really good way for a, a fan that doesn't know as much probably as he should. Know, to get that information, I really, really enjoyed what I read. I'm glad because it's it is it isn't a really important era of the club, and I mean, you know, I, I sort of lived through a bit of it, but I, I was never that interested in eras before my yeah. time, and, I, and so I was a bit wary of. I'm, I'm I'm writing something here that people of your age, for example, might not be that interested in, but I just feel that it, it, it wasn't widely reported. Certainly, the second administration. Uh, as Dave Harrison made out, uh, made the point when I spoke to him, the second administration, people had had enough. They'd had enough of Wolves. With the first one, it was front page news, mm. and it was a big deal that Wolves, they're in Europe two years ago, and now they're going to go bust. With the second one, it had gone on for so long, and the decline had been 
just it just sucked the lifeblood out of the place. It never made the front pages, and and as a result of that, people were getting away with stuff that they shouldn't have been getting away with, and the club was just on its knees. Uh, and it was just it was like the wild west, uh, you know, back then. There's a, a chapter as well with Steve Froggett. You talked to him about Graham Taylor and when he joined yeah. Wolves as well. And it's a common thing there, really, that fans look back at it and go, "Shouldn't have got rid of Graham Taylor." What? Yeah, again, I've I've got I've got a different I've got a funny take on that. Um, I think with hindsight sitting here now, we probably shouldn't have got rid of Graham Taylor. But as a season ticket holder at the time, I was stood up singing "We Want Taylor ah, Out." Okay, I'd had enough, and it was. I think some people you can forget how dreadfully bad it had got. But then again, I was a lot younger and a lot more, you know, petulant in those days, and a lot more impatient. And and I was paying money to watch them, and it was it was bad. It was really really bad that ninety five ninety six season. But the 94-95 season was without doubt the most colourful, interesting season of the whole 90s, which was a dreadful decade. But it was it was a real great, great season. And I, and I look back now and then you see what Taylor's done since. And I think, do you know what? I, we probably did bin him too soon. But at the time, it was grim. It was grim. And he, I, I was sad for him um, with hindsight. And then I got to know him later through work. And he's just such a decent man. He's got such a sense of sense of community, a sense of values. And I... I, I I am looking back. I am disappointed, but again, it's easy to forget. It was terrible football, and it came on the back of terrible football in England, and people just had enough. I mean, I, with it, what you just said, I said exactly the same thing last week before. Knowing it, 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 what the book was even about, I said about Taylor at the time. I mean, I was that was my first year as a season ticket holder. I was eleven in yeah. um, ninety five, ninety six. So I, I remember being there, and within a month, it started getting nasty. Because I'd, I'd listened to the season before then, my first game was against Atalanta in the Intertoto Cup. No, Anglo-Italian Cup, sorry. What a first game. <laughs> what a first game. Lee Mills, 1-1. <laughs> and um, so I'd listened to the majority of the season on the radio, and, and that's what got me into it, because it was yeah. so exciting. And then to finally get a ticket, and to finally get a season ticket, and to go and sit in the Billy Wright in W9, and for it then to turn so badly wrong. And I, I remember how bad it was. Yeah, it was awful, thought, wasn't it? Wasn't, it? When you, you watch bits and uh, glass and all football that you could see on telly at the time, and you think this is not the football that I was expecting, yeah, <laughs> and it was it, it was shit at the time. And it, it, <laughs> I'm not surprised of what happened. I mean, I was only 11, so I think even then I thought this is not normal. This I mean, the board the lost their nerve definitely. Mm. I think I think a stronger board wouldn't have listened to the supporters. Uh, I mean, at the time I was glad they did listen. Um, but I think a stronger board may have may have held their nerve better, um, and I think I think probably if I had my time again, I wouldn't have been so quick to want him out. But you know, it was a dreadful period of football. I think there was a four-one defeat at home to Stoke in there. That was which when particularly um, sticks out in my mind. That was when um, Sterley broke his jaw, right? And okay. when Dean Richards went in goal. I don't, I don't remember that, but yeah, <laughs> fair play. So I remember when I read that, I thought I remember this game because he, yeah. he collided with Eric Young, right? And he right, broke his right. jaw and he was dead. I thought, what's happened to him? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there was there was some there was just some poor football. Mark Atkins, I didn't like at the time uh, as a football signing. I think we got him on his way out, mm. um, and I think I think the team just slowed down. The ninety four ninety five team was very quick, uh, attacking gung ho team. I think it became a bit ponderous in ninety five ninety six. Mm. Fans got on Taylor's back quickly. Uh, and then and a very inexperienced board um, didn't stick with him. Was it, was it a, like a, a combination of 
all the disappointments from the last four years as well. There was a bit um, of that, although I, you forget we hadn't had that many. I think when we got promoted under Graham Turner, there wasn't a sense that we had to kick on again. I think we were just so happy to be back after the, the you know, being down in, in the fourth division. I think it was definitely the disappointments of the previous season. And then there was... Stevie Ball might have been sold in the summer and that, that caused a little bit of unrest. And I think we just got impatient. I I've, I think the fans' attitude changed forever once Hayward put his money in. I don't think we were as impatient and as sort of expectant pre, pre the money. I think as soon as the stadium got rebuilt and the money got put in, I think... We, we developed a sense of entitlement mm. and that was never there previously. Well, I remember that going around in the late 90s, early 2000s, where we were hated by everyone. Yeah. Just with our arrogant wolves. Yeah. And, and like you, you go on to in other chapters about McGee as well. Mm. It didn't help things. And it was everywhere. Everyone hated us for that reason. Yeah. That we were, oh, we're the big boys. We've got the money. We can do what we want. And it never worked. Definitely. Yeah, no. with, without giving stuff away, what other chapters in the book or kind of highlights that people would would really enjoy from obviously every single chapter of course but um, any, any particular bits that probably probably my favourite chapter I'd, I'd sort of delve deep into the story of the Newcastle airlift in 1990 yeah. which is coming up to its 30th anniversary okay. uh, and I never went to that game and if I could pick one game in history that as a Wolves fan that I could be at it would be that one when we beat them 4-1 on Newsday 1990 Steve Ball scored all four goals Bobby Robson the England manager was, was watching it got him on the plane to to Italia 90 that summer and essentially a group of fans got together um, and somehow pulled off the biggest airlift ever to a football match in in Britain and took eight Boeing 737s up to Newcastle and took a thousand fans up and it's just just an unbelievable story of people bluffing their way through and trying to find a way of getting it sorted and they just pulled it off and it's just magnificent and it's just like it, it's it's my favourite type of story it's a, it's a human interest story yeah. and it's with people with real humility and they just became stars and there were loads of stars of that so that's probably my favourite story and then um, there's one there's a chapter with Danny Bath if I'm going to look at a footballer who, a, a decent human being who represents the city of Wolverhampton well and um, is a, is a great role model in life Danny Bath, I'd say, is a fantastic character, and he he tells he, we do a story about you know his journey as well. Mm. So, but there's, there's hopefully there's quite a bit in there. I, I love the landlady one. Oh yeah, she's great, isn't she? Yeah. So I know Arthur anyway because I, yeah. I went on the coaches for years, yeah. but I know Arthur. But that was I love that that chapter. That was superb as well. Yeah, again, another you know Anne Shaw, who's had a you know bit of tragedy in her life as well, uh, and came up to Wolverhampton and built built a life here, and then started taking players in again around the time mm. of Graham Taylor coming to Molyneux, just taking the the trainees in, and she's been the club's longest serving landlady, and has got had so many players come through the system, and she runs this amazing house helping the players. Yeah, again, another phenomenal person that you don't normally hear through. Uh, which helps paint the picture of the club and why the club's mm. so special, I think. So, Bitten by Wolves then, when is it out and where can people get it? So, it's out next. It can be pre-ordered now if you go to the Waterstones website and mm-hmm. just search Bitten by Wolves. Um, but it's out next week. The club shop are stocking it in advance, I think. And then uh, after the club shop, it's in Waterstones in town, WH Smith in town, and then Amazon and the usual places. And as a, I think you're going to give a copy or... To yeah. where are you? We'll so, wait for that in the post. Yeah, we'll the, give that away. The, print, the printers are working away. They'd run out of gold for the front cover, so <laughs> they, they were delayed in the printing. I was expecting a signed copy to my favourite podcast, <laughs> yours. Uh, but yeah, Bitten by Wolves, uh, go get it. Uh, right, gentlemen, it's time for the quiz, everybody. 
time nervous. for the quiz. You're nervous. I am nervous. It was my, my debut quiz, so... Oh, is this only your first quiz? It's my first quiz, so I'm... Hell, oh. can only, things can only get better. What your debut be like? We'll find <laughs> out. <laughs> right. Um, you, is your, you'll need to get your phone out then okay. for this. And you'll need to get your phone out, Johnny. Yeah. What, what, can we, we cheat in this quiz? This is brilliant. <laughs> no, what, what a we, quiz. We did have whiteboards, but they got lost. <laughs> so what we do, it's just to make it fair, just get like notes out on your phone just to write down your answer oh, okay, uh, yeah, so that yeah. we don't all kind of go, oh, I think the answer is this. Oh, oh I, I also yeah, think yeah. the answer is this. <laughs> Uh, so Dan's done the quiz thank you very much Dan once again for doing the quiz uh, so the first question is this uh, 12 years ago this week Wolves beat East Midlanders Coventry 1-0 thanks to a 94th minute winner from who 12 years ago this week yeah. so what date what date's that uh, someone did the maths 07 07 yeah so 2007 then uh, Wolves beat Coventry 1-0 thanks to a last minute goal I would say from who this is the colour of... Oh, Johnny, it gets better. It gets better. You think this is tough? It gets better. I feel like Stu's already locked in with his I answers. Am, I it's, as usual, I'm doubting myself because I think have I thought that too quickly. <laughs> okay. So Stu thinks he's got an answer, mm. Matt. Just going for something. I'm just literally pulling... I, I might go for the same answer for every question and, <laughs> and you know, it's going to stick at some point yeah. in, in time. Johnny, have you got yeah, something? I've, I've written something down. Okay. So, uh, Stu, let's go with you first. What did you write down? Soul, which is wrong. Soul, you gone for soul, Matt. What have you written down? For, I don't think I'm in the right time period. I've gone for ints. You gone for ints. What have you written? Yeah, down? I think I'm in the wrong time period as well. I've gone for Freddie Eastwood. Freddie Eastwood. I don't think you're in the wrong time period, but it, Neil Collins. <sighs> Neil Collins. Yeah. Uh, how many wins in our Premier League history did Wolves reach after beating Man City? <laughs> so, how many wins in our Premier League history did Wolves reach after beating Man City? Okay. Okay. So obviously you've got to, I presume you've got to factor in the 0304 season here. This is where you've got to carry the two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, play along at home at WWFC Fancast on Twitter. Okay. Uh, we'd like to find out how you got on with these quizzes. I don't think anyone's got more than three so far this season. Uh, so write them down when you think you've got the goals. Johnny's really <laughs> trying to Come work this out. Yeah, I am. <laughs> It's like his stats. He's got the league tables imprinted in his brain. Mm, actually, mm. Stu, are you locked in already? You're going for an answer? Yeah. I think I'm selling a short here. But okay, so Matt's got an answer. Johnny's now got yeah. an answer. Matt, you go first. I'm, I'm going to go for 37. 37. Stu? 40. 40. Johnny? Oh God, I come across as all right. Come on, Jim, 26. 26. It was 50. 50 Premier League. Oh, wow. There's no nearest answer. So selling no, a short to be dead on. Uh, next question within the past week Mark Kennedy has taken over from Rob Edwards as under 23's coach but how much did Wolves pay Man City for Mark Kennedy in 2001 so what was the transfer fee for Wolves buying Mark Kennedy from Man City in 2001 Mark Kennedy getting off to a good start for the under 23's of the day of course okay Uh, Johnny what have you gone for I've gone for 1.75 million 1.75 million very precise I've got 1.3 or 1.25 which one are you going for? Uh, 1.3. 1.3. Okay. I'm selling short again. I've gone for three quarters of a million. So three quarters of a million. Oh, Johnny was the nearest, but not bang on. Two million. Oh, wow. Two million. So still no one on the board yet. Uh, 2004, Wolf signed Rob Edwards from Aston Villa. But what other defender did you sign on a free transfer that summer? <laughs> yep. On, Johnny's feeling the pain of the quiz. When is that, 2004? Yes, yeah, so 2004, Wolf signed Rob Edwards from Villa. 
Uh, but what other defender did we, did we sign in a free transfer that summer? I'm going to give you a clue. I no idea who this person is. <laughs> oh, Never it's... heard them before. Oh. Did they even play? So oh, I no. have no idea. That would make it probably even harder. This ain't going to be the usual academy signing, is it? This is this is. Um, a, I don't think we we had the usual academy special, signing at that it, time. So it's it, it's for the first season back in the championship after Jones. I would presume so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> To, to shore up the defence in the championship. As a regular listener of the show, I'm sure Johnny realises how hard these guys yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, right, Stu, you already locked in already? Are you still thinking? No, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of who he would have even played. I will team. literally give you a standing ovation if you if you get this. Um, I think Stu's playing a poker face here. No, he no. knows. Is it a British player? It's not a British player, I'll allow that. <laughs> Where did they... You are allowed to pass as well if you really don't. I'm 100 percent going to graciously pass <laughs> on this question. If it's, it's not a British player. Yeah, Stu, so I'm going to give you 10 more seconds. Mm, I think was it central defender? Or, or oh, I, do, I don't I know. We, I really don't know. No, no, you're going to pass. Yeah, pass. You pass. It was Joachim Bjorklund. Bjorklund from we're going uh, from Sunderland. Yeah. Okay. Never heard of him. Yeah. Never yeah, heard of I think we're going to go to the tiebreaker oh, here. I was my tongue, that one. Next question. May 2013, Johnny Phillips went viral for his commentary <laughs> of Troy Deeney's goal against Leicester. But who knocked Wolves out of the FA Cup that year? So 2013, Johnny Phillips went viral for that Troy <laughs> Deeney co- commentary against Leicester. But who knocked Wolves out of the FA Cup that year? 2013. Oh, 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 oh. Matt thinks he's got it. Stu thinks he's got it. Yeah. Johnny, I think has got it, but he's just playing the game. Yeah. How did you stay on your chair for that game, though? <laughs> that was did, a great. Did you moment. even have a chair? Yeah, I don't. I don't think I kept my shit together. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Oh, Matt, second guess him. <laughs> no, I've just put. I've got. I've got Luton in my head, but it's You've not got that. Luton. It's not, okay. It's not. It's not. That you now. will put Luton down, Stu. Oldham. Oldham. I wrote Luton as well. Luton yeah. as well. I can tell you, the streak remains forever for Stu because it's not Oldham; it is Luton. <laughs> so yes! back so we here. go to the tie break. Both on the debuts from Matt and Johnny. Here's the tie break. We all go for nearest one, so someone can win this quiz. Wolves have played 198 Premier League games. How many have we lost? <laughs> Wolves have played 198 Premier League games. How many have we lost? Nearest wins, obviously. Nearest wins. Please don't make this difficult because I've got to do maths then. And then after this, we will do Twitter Corner to round off the podcast. I can't in. Uh, I'm just looking at the Twitter Corner questions. Yeah, it's got a chance. It's got we a chance. We played 198 games. 198 Premier League games. How many have we lost? We said... I can't think of how many we actually drew. <laughs> it was always, always well, we mo- we won more than I thought, so I'm gonna go with we've lost less than I think. Okay, it's my, it's my, <laughs> my backwards logic, logic in it. Okay, so nearest answer wins. Johnny, what do you go for? I wrote seventy-five. Seventy-five losses. Uh, I went for forty-seven losses. Forty-seven lessons. I can tell you on their debut, may not return for quite a while, Johnny. 
is the winner. Well done. It was 95. Wow. 95. <laughs> so Johnny, on his first, well, second appearance technically. Top man, Gets thanks. the win on the I'll quiz. Well that. done. Very you joined the Illustra Club of Paul Berry, who also came oh, on. Oh, top lad, Bez. <laughs> who won the uh, Doesn't won surprise the me that Bez <laughs> has come up with a win there. <laughs> right, last bit of the podcast, everybody. It's Twitter Corner. Your chance to send us your questions. Anything to do with anything Wolves or non-Wolves related, and we will answer them. Uh, Chris Walters first, he says, uh, What is the diameter of Traore's tri- guns and thighs put together in football pitch size, please? <laughs> <laughs> Where did you even start with that? Well, let's go. Hulk Hogan had 22-inch pythons, yeah. so Traore's got to be around there, so that we can start there. <laughs> so we've got 22 inches of, of arm, or of bicep. And his legs are going to be... He's double that, yeah. I thought. So we'd, we'd look, we're talking 66 inches. What's that in, what's that in yards? I don't know yards. Um, <laughs> I'd say the D of the penalty area on the outside, it'll probably stretch all the way around that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I reckon so. <laughs> if, he, if he was skinned... Like the uh, Walking Dead last night. I actually I enjoyed no spo- it. No spoilers, please. Oh. So I'm, I'm still yet to watch no, it. I've never watched oh. Walking Dead. Just don't see the appeal. It's to me the Walking Dead now. It's like it's like an abusive relationship. I can't <laughs> I can't stop with it now. I'm I'm committed to it now, and I've made my choice. Uh, another tutorial question from Jamie Rhodes. How would you convey Adama's pace in a statue outside of Molyneux? <laughs> you'd have, you'd, have, you'd have him like the Flash, wouldn't you? With with lines coming out of the back. <laughs> Would it be bronze lines as well? You could somehow. No, you'd, you'd have some kind of LED, wouldn't you? You put a wind machine at the back yeah. of it, <laughs> like, <just>, uh, <laughs> like that one blowing the, the other way. Like the one towards you. The one at Preston with the water. Well, that's superb statue. That is. If you know, you've been to Preston. I've been to Preston. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. If you go around the side, there's a massive. Is it? You could, you could save some money, couldn't you? Just put a plinth and say, "Oh, he's gone." <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Hey. Um, a hat trick of Torre questions. Thomas Kearney says, "If you had to pick one position for Torre to make his." And for him to be coached to fulfil his current preferred formation or a hypothetical alternative, what would it be? So if you had to say you are in this position and you will play in this formation, in your eyes, what would you do with Troy I'd have him play uh, as a right forward, as a right winger, you know, as he does does now, just better in that his decision-making, um, you know, which comes with time, decision-making would be better and, you know, his crossing would be a bit more consistent than it is now. But where he plays now, you know, as, as a winger, I think, is where I'd prefer him to, you know, to, to give the bullets and, and open up space for, for our you know, main strikers. Yeah. You, what would you I, I pretty much agree with that, but it's weird though now, I'm not, like last season when he was, when he was, even towards the start of this season as well, when he was tracking back, you always feared the worst. <laughs> and I don't anymore. You think, well, he's, He's turning on the pace, going backwards as well. So, right forward mainly, but if needs be, keep him as wing back. He's doing fine. Johnny, yeah, you, I go yeah. along with Matt and Stu yeah. on that one. Definitely, I think. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard, isn't it? Because he suddenly mm. filled you with loads of hope and uh, and sort of promise and, and possibilities. <laughs> Just to bring it all t- down. Then he'll turn up <laughs> the next game and the crosses will be fired into the <laughs> North Bank or whatever. You think, oh crikey, here we go. Uh, Rob Cartwright says, if you wore a cloak of invisibility, would VAR pick you up? <laughs> <laughs> no, with the cameras at the minute. No, I'm going to say no on that one. Uh, another one. Uh, our friend Nathan Judas popped in. I think it's more towards you, Johnny, this one. <laughs> uh, has Johnny worn the Sa- um, Sashel Beret jacket combo that he brought after the fashion show in Shanghai yet? Not when I've been out with uh, friends, just on private nights, when I've not really told anyone I'm going out, just to my yeah. usual sort of... Haunts. Illicit clubs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exclusive. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and then a final serious question from James. Tell, tell Nathan as well. I, I should have sent it back to him last week, but I'll, I'll, <laughs> hey. I'll, I'll stick it in the post. Uh, James Spencer says, with Jimenez finally getting a break, Jota looking to return to full fitness and the success of 3-5-2 on Sunday, are we likely to see more rotation between the two main formations depending on teams we play? What do we think? Do we might mix it up with the 3-5-2 and 3-4-3? I think we can now. That's, I think that's the main difference this season compared to the other two. Whereas when we tried it before, it's always been a complete disaster. Um, I think now they look like they've, they're coaching both somehow. Yeah. Out of nowhere. So we've got options now. So I wouldn't be surprised if we play Southampton. It's 3-4-3. Matt, what would you do? I mean, and I know I've literally just said about how much I hate a tied cliche of the European football and the Premier League yeah. campaign. But, but, you know, rotation is inevitable because of the pure amount of fixtures that we have. But, being fluid in, be, in being able to change those formations, A, means we're not typecast and we're going to be harder to play against. And B, it just allows us to mix things up and have, and have a plan B, something which some pockets of Wolves fans have said that Nuno doesn't have is a plan B on some occasions. Whereas, you know, it's proven that it is. You know, he's able to coach for two different formations that have two very different attacking styles. So I think we will see a mixture of the two depending on our opposition. Johnny, the final bit on the podcast, it's all yours. Yeah, no, I think there's a, a sense that we've become a slightly tougher nut to crack since mm. we've managed to look, you know, proficient in both. Um, and I, I'd be happy to see us walk out onto the pitch in either formation, uh, going about our job in either way. And I also think that different players probably are better suited to different ways. So, in a sense, one player would do better work in the front three than, mm. than he would in a you know the other the other system. So yeah, I, I'm I'm all for a more fluid approach and embracing the, the bright new future. Good, good. <laughs> and on that bombshell, then we'll leave it at that. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. You can follow us all week on social media. Just type in Wolves Fancast, and you'll find us there. Remember, bitten by wolves. It's Andy. Thanks for having me on. Much appreciated. No, thank you. It wasn't the worst experience of your life. No, it's great. Good. It's really, really good. good. And I got a cup of tea out of it as well. Anyway, you get a cup of tea as a result. Yeah. It's usually squash round here, but it's special <laughs> guests get the cup of tea. Yeah, well, we don't want any more babies related to no, this podcast. No, either. no. There is everyone who drinks this fertility squash within the space of a year gets their wife. Present. Oh, my race is run on that one. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Uh, but yeah, that's it, everybody. Thanks for listening. For this week is bye from Matt. Goodbye. Thanks for having me. Bye again. from Stu. Adios. Bye from Johnny. Thanks for having me. It's bye from me. See you next time.